Welcome to Steps, a podcast celebrating people and their stories. Far too often, we don't give people the opportunity to share their journey, where they've come from, what they've overcome, and the amazing things that have happened in their lives. That's what we're going to do on Steps. We'll have real conversations with real people to understand how they've gotten to this place in time. Confucius said, the journey of 1,000 miles starts with a single step. So, let's start this journey. On Steps, it's my goal to give people a platform to share their stories. The good, the challenging, and everything in between. For my first guest on Steps, I'm welcoming a good friend and all-around amazing guy, Matt Ginepro. Matt and I connected when I was an assistant volleyball coach at Georgia State University. When I was there, Matt was the head volleyball coach at App State in Boone, North Carolina. We hit it off very quickly when we shared a common love of beer. You'll catch a small piece of how well-versed in beer and brewing Matt is within the first 15 minutes of our conversation. Matt has coached volleyball up and down the east side of the country, from Virginia Tech to Ole Miss, up to Virginia, and landing at his most recent stop at App State in 2007. His time at App State ended fairly abruptly a few weeks back, and in our conversation, Matt explains what happened and what prompted his unexpected departure. There are many layers to our conversation that uncover some heavy and thought-provoking moments. When Matt and I chatted prior to this episode, his main goal of our conversation was to be able to help one person, just one person, who may be going through anything similar to what he's been dealing with. Ultimately, that's both our goals, whether we knew it or not. Quick trigger warning, Matt and I hit on a few heavy topics, including substance abuse and suicide. Neither Matt nor I are mental health professionals. Please reach out to a professional if you need help with any of these topics. Resources will be linked in the show notes. Now, let's get into the conversation with Matt. Well, hello, my friend. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I know we've been uh, chatting a little bit going into this, but I got to ask, what are you sipping on? I am sipping on uh, my version, uh, Eagle uh, Eagle Park, Eagle Creek Brewing out of Wisconsin, um, released a recipe for their Things We Don't Say New England IPA, Um, kind of like what... uh, Oh, and for the life of me, I can't remember the brewery out of Texas did. Uh, Black is Beautiful when they released that recipe for a stout on the homebrew scale to raise awareness for uh, Black Lives Matter and anti-racism. And uh, But Eagle, and I hate the fact that I can't remember, I think it's Eagle Park Brewing out of Wisconsin did the same thing uh, with things that we don't say uh, to raise awareness for mental health. Uh, and I thought their can art was awesome. It was a pretty simple big text on one side, things we don't say. And on the back, it was all these helplines like uh, suicide prevention hotline, uh, LBGTQ, uh, uh, PTSD. And they had about seven or eight uh, different mental health uh, helplines on the back of it. And to raise awareness for mental health in the brewing industry, but then overall, they released their recipe. So uh, in honor of my brother, I decided to brew up a batch I think I did it in, in August, probably right before preseason yeah. started. So uh, my first hazy IPA, and I'm very happy. Well, I mean, again, there's obviously there's a lot that goes into that story, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's pretty much yeah. Okay, every- podcast yeah. is over. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, 
Well, I'm since you said your first hazy, right? I'm sipping on, and I'll show everybody, yeah. you know, in case we do video. This is Athletic Brewings, their free wave. By no means am I sponsored by them, but if they do want to pick up the phone and call me, we can. But uh, it's a non-op. Well, if anybody does want to sponsor Rotation Six Ooh. Brewing out of my garage, it's right. Here. We, hey, maybe we can. Maybe we'll link something in the show notes, and we'll see. We'll see what we can we do. Because right. you did, you did do some dope hats, and you, you've done some merch. Um, yeah, and the supply chain issue is killing me. I have version two all ready to go. I just haven't been able to get any hats. Uh, we might have to connect some dots. I might know some people that might be able to help you with that. All right, that would be great. <laughs> oh man, yeah, is it like. You got rotation six. I'm doing athletic brewing. Uh, it's interesting, right? And I know you and I chatted. We actually connected initially, obviously, volleyball and love of beer uh, mm-hmm. when right. you were coaching at App State. And, uh, what's what's the brewery that we used to, that we went to? Um, we went to two of them. We probably, back then, we probably went to Appalachian Mountain Brewery. Uh, that was the first one here in Boone. We've since opened uh, two okay. others. Uh, one of those two, Lost Province, actually has two locations. Their first one was more of a restaurant with the brew house, but then they took over a a, a warehouse. Actually, I, I believe it was AMB's former production uh, oh, really? space. So Lost Province took over that and opened up the traditional tap room. Uh, and then that's uh, Lost Province's uh, production brewery also. But then there's also Boonshine. And I don't think either of those were no, open. It's been back when you were yeah, at state. It's been yeah. well. I've been here with Adidas almost five years now, so it would have been six, seven. The one place we went to. So right. I know. I think the Appalachian Mountain is the one because it's got you know. Uh, yeah. We sat outside a little bit and. Right. But, yeah. That. That's and a, then right. uh, we went to another spot in a strip mall or something like that. It was. Oh. Okay. So that was. It might um, not have been a. That was Boonshine. Okay. First there location. we go. They had their all their equipment in one of the parcels of the strip mall to the left of this restaurant, and the restaurant was their taste. Got room. it. That's it. Yeah. So Boonshine has since bought uh, an old paint factory and opened up a big, oh, huge space cool. restaurant, massive outdoor space, uh, and that's the place I typically go to. Yeah, no, it was I, like that was a cool adventure, and obviously, like we share that love for beer, and now I'm drinking non-alcoholic beer for for different reasons. But like, how'd you like? How'd you get into brewing? Like what, like where did that come from? I was always a beer person. Um, even in college uh, when I could afford it, uh, and clearly craft beer way back when wasn't that big of a deal. Um, but I remember it was what everybody typically talks about with craft beer. It was Sierra Nevada's pale ale. The first time I had, uh, a Sierra Nevada pale ale, I went, wow. All right. This is beer. This is what I want. As what opposed to like what, like when you in college, you're drinking water out well, of cans. Yeah, Milwaukee's yeah, yeah. best, right? Yeah, we're. I mean, we're drinking Beast. We're drinking Beast Light, and you know, I, again, showing my age, I remember kegs of Beast for parties were like oh, 100. We were we were natty light in college. Like, I mean, that's literally, like, you know, and, and I, I just remember and just knowing, and I would try to drink a better beer before, just to at least get some <laughs> flavor before having, you know, the party of the solo cups of beast. But, um, I got into brewing because a friend of mine, uh, from home from long Island, his cousin brewed. And I went, wait a minute, you can make beer on your own. Brilliant. 
And I remember, exactly, in, in, in your kitchen. And, and I remember getting my first extract kit and it was terrible. And then the second batch was terrible. And then I started getting a little bit better, but that was still all extract and kit. And then, um, as you know, I had kids and then kids change everything. <laughs> yes. um, and then when I got, when did I get back? I, when I got the job at Virginia, I started looking into it again, but I never really jumped into it because even when I was at Virginia, my, when we moved here, my daughter was uh, nine, my son was six. And, but it wasn't until, and I wish I knew what convention it was, but it was a panel discussion that had um, John Cook in it. And it was one of those why we win or, or what yeah. we do with our program type panel discussions that, that I lo always love going to. And, and John said he thought it was important that coaches learn to get coached in something. And so I believe he, he said that he got his pilot's license because he felt it helped with understanding what your players are going through. If you go and try to learn something and fail and do it wrong. And, um, and I was sitting in the audience going, well, <laughs> shit, that's a, brilliant idea and i was like well why don't i get back into brewing and not just brewing but why don't i go all grain and dive into the equipment and learn the science behind it and, and so i started that back up probably six or seven years ago um and it it's really cool being in this town because uh the original the owner of amb who has since now but i mean they sold they sold oh, twice. Uh, so now I think they're owned by Bud. I think I think they're owned by InBev. Um, but when they first opened, you know, brewers tend to be these really cool people. They're like, yeah, hey, Take come on back. Yeah. If you want to check out the equipment, you want to. And then when Boonshine opened up in that place that you're talking about, uh, Tim and Carson, the owners, let us home brewers like have our meetings in their space and hang out by all the stainless steel and, and be there. And then when they moved, He's like, hey, if you want to come to a brew day, you know, come on over. You know, you don't need to go take a class. You don't need to do just come to the brewery. You know, it's the best way. And in fact, on Thursday, I'm driving down about 15, 20 minutes down the road because one of the former head brewers at Boonshine opened up his own place. And it's like the perfect size of what I would love to do, just this really small nano brewery. And he's like, Matt, why don't you come on down and check out the space and we're going to brew up on Thursday and you can be involved in the brew day. So brewers tend to be really cool yeah, yeah. with that and just that whole community aspect of it. But I've been, and I'm sure you've seen pictures yeah. of my garage. I've been expanding my garage. Uh, people are very jealous. I have a six <laughs> tap, uh, what's called a keyser. It's a chest freezer that I've converted into a, a beer dispensing unit. So I have six taps on that. Uh, all six are filled right now. I can just pull my car into the garage and grab a glass and pour a beer as I'm walking oh, into man. the house. And, but um, I've always enjoyed it. I enjoy brewing. I love making. I'm, I'm an ale person. I'm not a lager person, but I'm sure I'll try in a lager. I just don't <laughs> like lagers. I just uh, why? I tried, what, like what is it really about tried. the lager? I, it's lager yeast. I just don't like the flavor of lager yeast. Like I, I'm de I'm not a pilsner person, and I know everybody's like all into pilsners and. I'm not a Pilsner person, a really good double Bach. I'll have, you know, I'll have that. Um, I do love uh, Negro Modelo, which is like the only Mexican yeah, yeah. lager that I like, but, um, but I just haven't 
I just haven't liked lagers, so I make only ales. Um, I think on oh, and ciders, I learned how to make. Cider. Have you dabbled in? Have you dabbled um, in sours I, yet? I have, uh, but only because um, by accident. <laughs> I, I no, <laughs> thankfully no. Um, but that's how typical people create a sour. No, uh, a company found a yeast that actually produces lactic acid in the fermentation process. So you don't have to do the whole kettle souring and you don't have to do all the craziness by adding all the bacteria in it. Literally, you make it just like a regular beer and this yeast strain sours the beer. So I've made two batches of that just because it's so ridiculously easy. Uh, in fact, I have a peach sour on tap right now. I love which it. Is I love good. a good sour. That's uh, my, my foray into yeah. sours was uh, when I was at Georgia state, Oh, I'm drawing a blank. Orpheus was the brewery in Atlanta, and yeah. Betsy Smith, mm -hmm. our assistant there, she um, she got like she tried it, and it was there. It was the Atalanta, and it was a plum, a, a tart plum saison, and it was just like, oh yeah. man, like. And my wife, she can't get it. Like she can't get into the sour. She doesn't like the tartness, right? And like me, I like I right because when I was doing it, like. When I would drink, I would I, I enjoyed drinking for the like the taste and how like all of like it's not right. it's not about getting messed up, right? It's not about like it's not no, about getting no, lost no, yeah. or like it's literally oh this is good. So no, right. I, that's interesting. No, and I and down here, you know, we have Wicked Weed down in Nashville and they were like the, the Funkatorium. Sour. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And then then they Did sold they? out. So they and yeah, the uh three or four years ago, I think. Um, the Funkatorium is still up and running and they still make their barrel-aged sours and they're still really, really good. Um, but that was kind of my first foray into sours. It was a, a the guy at the local store said, hey, yeah. you got to try this. And I had never really, I didn't know what bread of bias was. I didn't know what a sa you know, what sours were. And yeah, they had a, when we were down there, we've been, I've been to Asheville once, my wife and I, uh, we went down there and... Oh, it might've been when she was pregnant with Harper. So she wasn't drinking, but like, it was my first foray there, but like, it was, I think they had a cherry, um, a cherry sour. that was just mm -hmm. like, and it's part of their, like normal, it was yep. just phenomenal. Right. It's a hard beer to make, uh, if you want to go that route. And cause then typically yep. they're barrel aged also. So then you've got to figure out how to do that. And at the, at the homebrew scale, it's okay. really tough. Uh, the closest thing I come to a barrel aged beer is I make a coffee bourbon mm -hmm. stout. Uh, where I soak uh, Jack Daniels oak chips, like grilling chips, in bourbon, and then um, clearly add coffee yeah. and cocoa nibs and things like that. But then I throw the oak chips in that have been soaked in the bourbon, and more than likely dump the bourbon into the beer as well. well but uh, I've made that the last two winners, and it's what uh, what bourbon do you use? Um, I have my daily has been benchmark number eight, just a simple one. Um, by Buffalo Trace. I'm trying to think the uh, one other time I have a former player and I guess it wouldn't be a bourbon. It would be a whiskey one. A former player of mine from Virginia, her and her husband owned a distillery oh, cool. in Baltimore. And I had uh, right gotten a bottle of yeah. their stuff. Yeah. Buffalo in Trace, that's, that's my go-to. Like that's the one that, that it's just, yeah. it's the best, most well-rounded. I don't know if I did the, I've done the benchmark eight though. It's a good it's a good daily because you can get a handle for like 25 bucks. And um, I grabbed it one time just for fun, just because of the price. 
and it actually is, it's a good single whiskey. I've made old fashions with it. Um, and then I usually get like one or two bottles of my non dailies old Forester hundred proof is, is one, uh, me and Russ Friedland, uh, from Missouri state, we were, uh, recruiting up in Louisville and we decided we were trying, we were trying to do the angels envy tour. Couldn't get in. Um, the guy at angels envy said, Hey, walk a block down and you'll find rabbit hole, which was this really tiny one. And that was awesome. Yeah. Um, I just can't afford their bourbons, but it's really good. Uh, and then from there we went over to do old forester. They had like one, they had one slot left. Uh, I think Russ was on his phone while we were doing the tasting at, at rabbit hole. And he went, there's one slot left at old forester. And we ran up there. Like, Let's go. That's when I discovered the hundred proof, uh, is a good one. Yeah. I really like that one. I've had old forester. They've got a really good rye. That's, yep. and again, I'm not a bit, I'm not a big rye fan. They got a really good rye. And then also they've got, uh, I really like their, what was it? The 1920, um, I would occasionally pick that up with like my father. I think that was, like that. Yeah, yeah. Really I think that was on our tasting. Yeah. Really good. That was on our tasting. Really, really good stuff. Um, so, I mean, contrary to popular belief, even though we spent the past, you know, 15, 20 minutes talking about beer and alcohol and all that stuff, <laughs> like, right. You're not like, that's not your, that like, that's not your trade. That's like something you no. love to do. Like, but for, it's every, a great hobby. Yeah. Uh, maybe my semi-retirement life. I don't know. Yeah. You alluded uh, to that. Maybe opening up a small spot or something like that. I would love to, you know, not a huge one, not distribution, not anything crazy like that. But, you know, I've been, you know, the great thing about recruiting is that we get to travel and hit all these spots when we're in different towns. Yeah. And I always try to find one or two smaller breweries just to see how they run it. You know, what does it look like? What do they make? Uh, so I have, you know, all these notes for my dream place. I dig um, it. Like a 30 or 40 person nano brewery tap room where I'm behind the bar, you know, and then all you idiot coaches come and. Hey, hey, I'm, I'm not an idiot coach anymore. I mean, I'm still, true. I guess, I guess true. still, right. I guess by heart. Right. I mean, I don't think right. you ever lose that. Right. Oh man. Uh, but no, I would, I would love to. And, you know, it's the scary part is kind of like, it's like opening a restaurant, right? And a bunch fail and you got to make sure that you do it in the right state that has really good beer laws. Like North Carolina has phenomenal beer yeah. laws. And um, it, it, that's why there's so many in North Carolina. Like you said, you were in Asheville. I think there's, there's probably more now. There's like 20 in downtown Asheville alone. And then there's the big ones on the outskirts. And then, you know, it, there's just breweries all over the place like the one i'm going to on thursday is literally in the middle of nowhere south of boone and it looks like a great place i'm excited to get down there yeah that's i mean that's like here in portland that's kind of how it is right i mean again that's how it is for the west coast portland is kind of like the Asheville. they're kind of synonymous yeah right well you alluded to idiot coaches right and i think that's a (laughs) that's a pretty pretty good Good segue it's a good segue so you know in your you know by trade Volleyball coach, right? Um, up until Monday, last Mon- Monday. Monday. <laughs> you want to care to talk a little bit about that for us? Yeah, I mean, I, I made the decision to. Well, at the time, I didn't know what I was making the decision to do, uh, but I ended, you know, for temporary time, a uh, twenty-seven-year collegiate coaching career. I started, well, twenty-seven years of getting paid. You know, then I was a 
like we all are or were back then. I was a student assistant, yeah. you know, undergraduate assistant and practice player and volunteer assistant. Um, but, you know, I went Virginia Tech to Ole Miss to UVA to here. Uh, and for for different reasons, I, I had just been unhappy uh, as a person the last couple of years. And I really thought it was related to my brother and, and all that that happened uh, January, 2020. Um, but also just unhappy with just not a good relationship with, between me and administration. And, and it was going, it was coming out on the team and it was completely unfair to them. Uh, you know, about halfway through this season, I was like, wow, I'm just, I'm a miserable bastard. And it's, it's not their faults. It's it, it's clearly all of this other stuff spilling over. So I guess it would be two weekends ago or yeah, two weekends ago uh, after our Sunday match against Georgia Southern, I had told our SWA who was at the match that, um, that I didn't want to be renewed at, at the end of my contract uh, in December. So they didn't even have to have the conversation about whether or not that was going to happen, uh, that it was going to be my choice. And I just, I didn't want to be renewed. I was going to focus on myself and figure out how to get happy again and, you know, may, maybe change careers. I didn't know. Um, and then on Monday morning, met with the AD who thought it would be a better idea that I just step aside right then and there, which honestly, I agree. You know, it's, I think for the team, especially, it was a better decision for me to, to step aside. And uh, a massive weight came off of my shoulders. And so it was uh, it, that day, uh, and probably a longer conversation after that. But it, that day made me realize: okay, clearly, I'm I'm still dealing with my brother's death. I'm still dealing with the stuff related to that. But clearly, ninety percent of what was going on with me was here. You know what was going on here because it was it was amazing. You know, and then. I have, and you're among this group, I have some amazing friends. Uh, Monday night was, uh, I mean, it was astonishing to me. I, I expected to get a couple of calls, clearly, you know, a yeah. uh, couple of emails, a couple of texts. But my phone was going every 10 seconds all night and going into Tuesday. And, uh, you know, I actually, I was sitting in this room that I'm sitting in right now just trying to catch up to texts and reply and, you know, answer phone calls. And it was amazing to me because I had actually gotten to the point where I was so unhappy that I didn't think that I did it right across my career. And thankfully, again, I'm surrounded by really good people and I'm lucky because of that. Former players, not only from here, but from UVA and Ole Miss and Virginia Tech, all my friends and, coaching buddies. And it, I even had four or five people that I don't even know, but their messages were, Hey, I heard about you through this person and just, and so that helped a ton too. Cause I, I did, I felt like I, I hadn't done it right. And that was kind of like the worst thing for me that yes, I'm resigning. Yes. It was a big deal. I'm leaving a place that I've been for 15 years, but feeling like I hadn't done it right. 
what, being that unhappy. What do you, what do you mean by that? Because again, like having been in your shoes, you know, not the right. head coach role, right. but like being a, being a coach, right? Like you sit and you, like you say, and I've heard it a couple of times, right? Yeah, I haven't done it right. I have it like, that was right. your biggest fear. What, like, what do you mean by that? I think whenever you end something and don't end it well, right. It, you know, I'm, I stepped away from the team with matches left, you know, they're actually flew down to the conference tournament today. And, you know, and, and I already felt bad about that, but I also knew that that was a better thing for the team because I just, I wasn't benefiting them. I was not the coach that they deserved. I, it, I just wasn't a good coach over the last two years. Um, but then when it doesn't, you know, like I, I didn't get thanked. <laughs> right. I didn't, I didn't, you know, it, it was just pretty much, okay. You know, and, and that was the conversation. And then you start, you know, especially if you're yeah. in a bad headspace, right. You start going, Oh God, you know, the last two years have been bad. Have all of them been bad. Right. And you, you start pouring on yourself. And am I going to do this again? Am I going to get, Oh my God, am I going to get out of coaching? It's the, I'm 51 years old. This is the only thing. It's the only thing I've done since 1996. Right. Am I, am I going to be able to get another job? You know, I, I'm the only paycheck and it's just like, Oh God, I, thankfully my children are out of the house and they're adults and, you know, but all of that just starts pouring on you. And so I had the happiness and then it was like, Oh God, you know, am I going to be able to do this again? And then just the outpouring of support that I had was just, it was amazing. And I've always said and lied to myself clearly, I've always said that I've, I'm not somebody that needs that. I'm not somebody that, you know, it's great to get it. Don't get me wrong, but I, I'm not somebody that sought out people's support or anything like that. But Monday night was pretty friggin' awesome. You know, it, it made me feel tremendously better. Well, if I can, <clears throat> excuse me, at least speak on like my experience with you, right? Like obviously the impact that you had on, on my life just through a friendship and, you know, developing that it means you've done it the right way. And again, I, like, yeah, thank you. The, and I'm, I'm truly grateful that our paths have crossed, but like, that's, that's the interesting thing about coaching, right? Like, yeah, so quickly judged on wins and losses, judged on this, this, and this, and like, and far too often we don't look at the things that honestly, in many cases are even that more important. It's the, it's the right. connections, it's the relationships, it's the positive impact on the lives of the people that we come across that happened. So, I mean, yeah, I don't, I, I wish your ending were different from the respect of you didn't get a thank you and that kind of stuff, because in my opinion, like that's, that's a whole nother topic of conversation, but, like, <laughs> um, but you know, I, I'll take the time to, to say thank you to you for like, even Appreciate just, yeah, immersing yourself in doing the things that you've done for so many people. Well, and I've never been, and you probably know this about me, I've never been somebody that, I, I never really cared about my overall record right? at all. You know, that, and I, which is ironic because you're in college athletics and it's literally the only thing that matters, right? It, as many ADs that want to say, it's about the whole life experience. It's about, you know, it, it's not. It's not. It's about wins and losses. And um, you go from being somebody who truly cares about everything and 
I'm still in contact. Like I went out uh, a player that I coached 25 years ago at Virginia tech. Her son is being recruited by app for football. And she came up for his unofficial visit and we, and I'm actually at a brewery huh, uh, with her hanging out. Cause we haven't seen each other in years. And it's like, we never missed a beat, you know? And after that night, and this was after I resigned. So I, I was in a much better headspace, but I can sit there. And as I drove home, that's somebody I coached 25 years ago who immediately wanted to meet up, wanted to call me, wanted to get together while she was in town. And it, you know, it's a 25 year relationship. Right. And I'd gotten texts from two players from Ole Miss and I was literally there for eight months. You know, I got there in June and I left in April for the Virginia job. Not that I had planned on that, but the Virginia job opened up and I was going to take that. And, but I got two messages from two players from Ole Miss that I was only there for eight months about the impact that I made. And I don't ever think like that. I don't, I don't coach to make an impact. I just coach to coach and I have relationships with players to have relationships with players, but you know, to get those messages was huge because in my brain, I'm like, I was, I was there for like five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I was there for a season and, and that was it. But I'm very, very fortunate and lucky. Um, I, I think it's because I put such an emphasis on relationships more than anything else. Um, and thankfully it paid off on Monday and Tuesday. Right. Uh, because it was great. Well, and again, if you do it, in my opinion solely, but like, again, if you're doing it the, for the right reasons and doing the right things, and if it's seated in relationships and partnerships, right? Like, Right. Like that's the byproduct is exactly what you were able to kind of reap the benefits of uh, you right. know, last week. So, I mean, right. kudos to you for doing it the right way. Yeah. Thank you. One thing like, and it keeps sitting with me. And again, you and I chat frequently, but like you, you've mentioned the word unhappiness mm -hmm. an awful lot. And I want to kind of come around to that. And again, yeah, we're coming on to like, so two years of everything happening in the world, all of that stuff. And right. then couple with, you know, you mentioned your brother in January of 2020, all these things. Right. So like unhappiness, like what, what I don't know how I want to formulate the question, but like, I want to talk about it because you've said it a lot yeah. and I want to like have some open dialogue about it. Well, I think whenever you're in coaching, so we'll, we'll, we'll put my brother off to the side, yeah. right? Whenever you're, whenever you're in coaching, it's, a hard life, you know, no matter what, because you're gone almost all the time from your family. Like my, my years at Virginia, which I wouldn't trade for the world, but my daughter was three when we moved there. My son was born there. And for the six years that I was at Virginia, you know, I missed 95% of that time because I was out recruiting or we were traveling in the fall and, and, and I was doing all of the things that, you know, a recruiting coordinator at an ACC program had to do, which meant that I was not home. Right. Um, it was a massive strain on me and Roxanne. I, I think we can look back and go, that's probably the toughest part of our marriage. And thankfully we got through it. Um, you are solely, you are solely evaluated on wins and losses. And it could very well be somebody who's not even connected to your team doing the evaluation. 
Hmm. You know, somebody who doesn't spend any time with your team and, and knowing what you have or what you're going through or, you know, anything. Right. And that person's evaluating you. And then even better, the person that could be evaluating you may never have been a coach before in their life, which is happening more and more in athletic development. Yeah. You know, with administrations that have never coached. And I think that is a huge deal. Kelly Sheffield and I were just talking about this before. You know, he's a very huge proponent that at least one senior administrator has to have been a coach of whatever sport. Yeah. But has to have been a coach because you've got marketers, you've got lawyers, you've got people with MBAs, you've got, and, and they don't, they don't get it. It's a, it's a different and, lens at which they're looking through things. Right. No. And what it is, it's the lens of running a multi-million dollar, dollar corporation, yes. which is what college athletics is. I'm not going to deny that college athletics is a multi-million dollar business. And, but the problem is, is that that would be like me evaluating the plumber who comes to my house when I have no clue what, it, you know, and, and, and making a decision based on that. It's it, it, when you've never been in the trenches of coaching and uh, to flip it, because I, I don't want it to be like this negative thing. I've never been in administrative meetings. Right. I've never, right. I've never talked to chancellors. I've never, I've never had to try to raise $30 million before, but that's why there needs to be some form of a bridge. And when you're being evaluated on things, by potential administrators who just, well, we should just win just because. <laughs> no ifs, ands, or buts. It's, it, it's the expectation. Right. You know, it, like I had this asked to me, why can't App State be in the top 100 of the RPI every year? And, <laughs> and it was a year that we were, we had a great year, and I think we were like 72 or something like that, right? I was asked why we why we can't be annually in the top 100. And because I'm a data person, I'm like, all right, give me an hour and I'll come down with some data. Yeah. And that year, I think 78 of the, the top 100 had directors of ops. So 78% had an extra staff member. Um, I think 35% had their own facility. Um, that year just coincidentally was 50 power fives and 50 non-power fives. Okay. So throw the, throw the power fives out, right? Throw the power five just because of budgets, yeah. throw the power five and, and, uh, RPI in, in conference. Yeah. In conference stuff. Yeah. Right. And of the 50 non-power fives, I think only 14 had been in the top 100 of the RPI for the five consecutive years previous, but you're talking like Marquette. Hawaii, Dayton, uh, BYU. Yep. You know, it, Western Kentucky. It, right. Yeah. Right. Western Kentucky. And it, it's just one of those things where it, like, like if we can do it once, why can't we do it all the time? Like, uh, all right. You know, besides the fact that we're in Boone, North Carolina and in North Carolina and in the Southeast and in, so we can keep going. And, later and, and, yeah, for sure. Right. It, but it's just, it's those conversations. Now, at that point in time, 
the next conversation should have been, okay, what do we need to do in order to get in the top 100 every single year? What are the things that we need to do here and can we do it? Mm -hmm. And then at some places, you just never have those conversations. And again, you, you have, well, we should just win just because. And so when you're battling that year after year after year, it, it kills you, you know? And when you're screaming from the rooftops of trying to get some things to make your program better, when you can't, and don't get me wrong, I did a presentation on it in 2019. You always have to fight for your program. Right. But, but when it's Sisyphus pushing the boulder up the hill, year in and year out, <laughs> and and the fight goes nowhere. It, you get worn out and you get fried and you just wonder whether or not you're going to be able to, to do it. So that was a big part. Sure. Right. Of constantly having this. Then you start. All right. You know what? I, I, and you know me probably long enough. I'm not a yes person. I'm not a. <laughs> no, you're not. You know, <laughs> I'm not a yes person. I'm, uh, I'm not a kiss ass. I'm going to point out when things are wrong. And, and when all of a sudden you realize uh, that that is even just expanding the rift between, you know, then you start going, okay, uh, this, whatever I'm trying to do to improve my program, the entire department or whatever. And I'm saying I, in the general sense, it could be anybody. Sure. Doing it, right. Um, because I'm also not a selfish person, you know, I'm, I'm always trying to do things that are going to make the department better or make the conference better or uh, it, not just my program. It, and you really, okay, it's not going to get done here. And I, that was a big part of me making that decision. You know, then you have the fun 2020 year hmm. of COVID, which was just, it's still amazing, right? But 2020 was like nothing anybody has ever experienced. And and mine started with the suicide of my brother. You know, that happened January of 2020. That's how my COVID started, you know, with that. And then you, we talked before the thing started. Then, you know, March, when did you say you were out of March? March 13th was the last day right? I was in the office. March, yeah. right? And you're going into a year where I don't know if I have a schedule. I don't know if we're traveling. I don't know if we're playing. And then we're one of the four conferences that chose to play in the fall, which was the worst decision <laughs> for mankind. And that's another one I was yelling from the rooftops. You know, there's 28 conferences playing in the spring. Why can't we just, why are we the only non-Power 5 playing in the fall? Why? Right. And it was a terrible decision. Uh, and then that started, you know, I don't, I wasn't a very good coach that year. Uh, and then it, it continued into this year and this year was more just general. I was unhappy. And like I said before, you know, about halfway through the season, I'm like, wow, okay, I gotta, I gotta fix this because the stuff that I normally do that isn't working and I need to go see somebody or I need to take care of it. And that's, you brought it up right there. So again, because I think we all deal with, we've all dealt with some sort of unhappiness, right? Oh, and not yeah. feel like Everybody feeling out of sorts. Right. But like what, I guess what were the, 
the warning signs for you or the things that you're like, okay, like something, something's not how right. I was treating other people because I, I, and I, I say this semi jokingly, I know I'm a dick, but I, <laughs> I, that's mostly because I'll just say whatever's on my mind. Sure. And I don't, I, I try to have a filter, but Roxanne says that I don't, but I, I tried it. And then I blame it on New York, right? Oh, it's, I'm just, <laughs> But New Yorkers are dicks, right? <laughs> so it's just one of those things. Um, when I realized I was treating the people that I cared about poorly, and uh, like uh, one of the things, and there were multiple other ones, but uh, it was a Sunday match that I talked to uh, my SWA. Well, the Friday match before, actually against Georgia State, I snapped at the bench for mm. an absolutely stupid reason, right? And they did not deserve it. They were actually doing the right thing. Right. And I snapped at him and it was just like, I got home after that match. We lose in five. I have no doubt that I affected that match because I'm sure they were just, and they were pissed at me because they told me afterwards. Right. right. And rightfully so that I went home that night and that's when I made the decision that I was going to say that I didn't want to be renewed because I, I shouldn't be snapping at the bench for absolutely zero reason and it wasn't it was it was a hundred percent outside of volleyball stuff it was it was just my general unhappiness you know and it just came out they were the closest people to me and i and that's when i realized that i needed to get this under control yeah and and make make a change go see somebody right therapy is outstanding it's wonderful I highly suggest it um but that's that was the kind of the turning point was that friday night man damn well again i appreciate the the vulnerability and i mean you kind of sharing that right like and i just sharing a little bit a little bit of anecdote from me and you mentioned therapy right so the past two years has been it's been different for everybody and right. again I, I view myself as a mostly positive and outwardly positive person. My wife challenges that and so, <laughs> says that I'm not all the time. And that's and fair, right? You're married to the right person. Right. Oh, she she's my rock <laughs> and she also kind of like you say with rocks, right? Like I mean it's it's the person that can kind of tell you as it is and it's the oh yeah. it's the cold oh. hard truth. But like sometimes it's really damn hard to hear. Yeah. Oh no rocks calls me out on my shit all yeah. Corey does you too. Know, and, and, oh. But like it was a, it was a span towards the end of like last year that I was in just a, I, I say the term funk. And again, I don't, I don't use the term depression lightly. Right. Like, but again, I was out of sorts, right? Like I was having a hard time getting out of bed, all the stuff snapping on the kids. Not, and like, it just finally came to a point that, you know, she said something to me and like, I, I don't, she's like, I don't know what's going on with you, but like right. need to figure something out. Right. Figure and, out. Right. Mm -hmm. And that, like, that's one of those like daunting things that you hear from your person. And it's just like, I'm like, holy shit. And, right. but yeah, like when I'm going through it, I don't know what's going on. And I don't like, I'm just, right. I, I feel as though that I'm doing the best that I can. I'm showing up for work every day. I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing right. this. Um, and therapy's never been anything that I've ever uh, gone to, honestly. And it right. was it like it's a daunting word at times but again you know me better better than a lot of people right like i will share whatever the hell is on my mind right. and i will be authentic and candid and i will but like the thought of doing that to somebody else that then i might 
do whatever to me, right? Not knowing. He's just like, no, no, I'm good. And I literally, we actually had free therapy through work and like I could get like seven sessions for free and I got the number and they're like, okay, now all you gotta do is go set, set up the appointment. And like, I I distinctly remember the number just literally sitting on my desk Mm -hmm. for like a month, month and a half. Yep. Putting it off, putting it off. And then of course, like, have you made, I'm like, no, all right, I'm going to do it. And it was like, it's looking back on it, right? It's the easiest thing that I could have done. Yeah. And it's like you mentioned, you know, Sisyphus and the the boulder, like that. It's but it was that feeling, right? Like you gotta, I've got to get to this top of the right. and it to push it over. Right? Yeah. And um, again, I've been in therapy for the better part of a year, and unresolved childhoods. I mean, the, the, I mean, we could have a whole nother podcast about, you know, the, th- <laughs> the things that I continue to uncover. Right. But like, to the point that you're right there, there are people out there that can help. And you mentioned that you've kind of started therapy. I, I, I go, I was going weekly for quite some time and now I'm going bi-weekly right. and it's phenomenal. And yeah. just to be able to no, open and have great. a conversation, like what's your, what's been your experience? Well, the funny thing is, is like, Man, you know this, but for the listeners, like I have a bachelor's in psychology, I have a master's in counseling, <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> like literally, the career path that I was going to go into when if I didn't get the Virginia Tech assistant job after I got my master's degree, and I had put it off because I, like a lot of people, I don't need it, right? Until you do need it. And I'm also with you. I don't, I hate when people throw out, I'm depressed when they're really just sad or they're anxious. Mm -hmm. And I was always a big, you know, uh, all right, let's not say, but like this year I'm like, yeah, shit, I'm probably depressed. Yeah. Because like you, I wasn't sleeping well at all. I wasn't eating well. I would right it. um, And I, it's, you know, I brew beer, but I don't have an addictive personality, which is a good thing. Yeah. And because I don't use it as a crutch, I don't, you know, and I, and Roxanne constantly is over my shoulder sure. making sure that I don't. Um, but it wasn't until all of this was just dumped on my head that I, uh, app has a in-house, uh, sports psychologist and he's a buddy of mine. And I shot him a message and I went, I'm not doing well, you know, and everything that I've done, usually on my own is not working and so like instead of replying back he immediately like i see him like sprinting down the hallway yep. to my office right he's like if somebody like you is asking for help i need to find it you know are you okay i'm like yes i'm, I'm okay like i'm not gonna harm myself on that but i'm bad and he connected me with somebody and then like you i wasn't six weeks but i was like two weeks before yeah. i picked up the phone and made the call um but it's, yeah, it's what I find funny when people have hesitancy towards therapy, they're more than happy. And I get it because of trust issues and things like that. They're more than happy to say the exact same things to their best friends who aren't going to help them out. Not right? at all. They're, they're, no, they're just going to agree and they're going to, right. They're going to say you're fine. And they're, but to say it to a stranger who's trained to actually make that environment better. Right. Um, but after the first one, I don't know how you felt, but after the first one, I was like, oh, all right, this is going to be really good. And I knew it again. I have a background. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, 
And then what was funny was the second one was the day after I resigned. And I was like, so I did a thing. (laughs) And she looked at me and went, what happened? I'm like, well, remember all the work stuff that I was talking about last week? Well, I don't have to worry about it anymore. And she's like, oh, my God. All right, we're going to have to unpack this. (laughs) I'm like, I don't know if you meant for me to do all the homework all at one time. But I did, and I feel really good. And you know, I think now we can focus on my brother and you know all the stuff around that. Um, but yeah, I, it, and I told you before the thing: if I can get one person to go to therapy because they need it, it this is worth it because it it really is. And it, it, there's really good people out there that are willing to help you out, and you would be amazed at just what one session of opening up. Sure. Now you have to open up, right? It's that's and that's uh, and I've told people it's a process. You know, it's you have to open up because they're not going to be able to help you unless you do. But if you're willing to open up, it's it's a great thing, and it your happiness is more important than anything else. One hundred percent, man. And it's I think you hit it on the head, right? Like it's it's being open to try and then being open to being vulnerable and literally vulnerable. truly sharing. Because yeah. I, I I reflect on. Prior to my first session with Annie, um, she's phenomenal. And prior, like, there's a questionnaire, right? Like, and trying to understand, you know, my background, where I've been from. And so, like, I took the time and I answered all of it. And we go into the first session. She goes, oh, okay. Like, she she opens and she reads everything. And she goes, yeah, well, thank you for sharing everything. And, (laughs) but again, that, like, that me by nature, right? So, right. And I, and I have no issue sharing with it, sharing it because if it, to your point, if it helps one person, one person with yeah. one situation. So mm-hmm. I, I, I could have that candid conversation with another coach or anything like that, but like to open that up to a therapist, I did it and it was, it was still very daunting. And again, I'm continuing right. to unpack stuff, but like I, I, every night, every morning I say to myself in the mirror, as I'm walking away after brushing my teeth give myself a high five, Mel Robbins, high five habit. I've kind of started right. to do that. I give myself a high five. Yeah. And I remind myself that I'm a constant work in progress. And yeah. like, that's, that's the thing. We don't all have it figured out. And no. it's a question None of, of surrounding yourself with the right people or having conversation with people that can kind of help us on the path. I mean, that honestly, that's how it kind of steps the podcast, like kind of came about, right? Like everybody is on this journey and their own unique journeys. Everybody's got a damn story. So, like, yeah. how can we help tell other people's stories to help them feel celebrated and then potentially connect a dot for somebody else, right? Like, who right. knows who's going to listen to this and take away, oh my God, like, here's Matt and Steve, just like two guys that, you know, relatively positive and therapy. Uh, like, I've had those feelings. And to your point, yeah. if it helps one person, man, we've done what we're supposed to. Right. Well, and also I grew up in a house with, you know, I'm a grandson of an immigrant and, you know, the grandparents went through the depression in New York. And when you grow up in a place like that, and don't get me wrong, I grew up in upper middle class Long Island, right? But when you have grandparents that went through that and they're only one generation removed from Ellis Island and you know, you grow up in a family where you'll be all right. You'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Just, you'll get through it until you can't. 
you know, and the, the world is completely different now too. And it, but I finally threw that background out and went, I'm not going to be okay. I do need to get some help mm -hmm. and it needs to be not just Roxanne because I've dumped so much crap on her that, you know, she's sick of me. And, but you have to get out of the, Oh, I, I, I'll be okay. I'll rub some dirt on it and I'll be all right because there's situations where you're not going to, mm. and going to get that help is, is huge. And what was funny, you were talking about your contact with your therapist. I had the same exact one. And I went back to, I don't know if you saw Brene Brown's like first Ted talk. Yeah. The, one that the original vulnerability. About, one. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And she talks about going to see a therapist who sees therapists because those therapists don't let you hang on your shit at all. They Correct. just, and so my email was the exact same thing to, to Tandria, my therapist. It was like, I think I need some help. Jacob uh, Cooper uh, referred me to you. And I think it's these three things <laughs> <laughs> like, and I literally typed one, two, three, right. And like one, the death of my brother, two. The, the, right? And <laughs> she was like, Thank you for the very detailed email. We'll clearly discuss these things when you're here. But it was just funny because she's like, all right, so you must have a background. I'm like, yes, I have, I have a bachelor's in psych and my master's in counseling. She goes, okay, I can tell. Yeah. It's... Like, so I'm, I, I'm a, I hope you're okay with seeing somebody who <laughs> has a counselor's brain. Right. And again, it's, oh, man. <laughs> You, as you were talking and you said like it goes back to the like when you ask people hey how you doing i'm okay <sighs> yeah are you like no, and that's i've i found that over the past year or so and even more recently like i've challenged tried to challenge like are you really okay or like scale of one right. to ten give me like right. yeah i was talking with a friend and she challenged me. I was like, I'm a seven. She goes, all right. She goes, is there studies that say you like seven is the most commonly used and she goes, right. get rid of seven. I'm like, oh shit! Like, but like, are you an eight or a six? Right? Yeah, and and that's daunting, right? It can be daunting yeah. at times. Right. So it's like, so when the canned answer, I'm okay, right? I right. I found myself challenging at least my close like closer people or anything. Like, are you really or like you know going to the scale or anything? But like, I find myself trying not to say I'm okay. But if I'm okay, it's usually not like I'm okay for real. You know, it's well, like, I think it also. I think it also depends on the person who's asking you because there's going to be people that actually want to know. True. And there's going to be people that want you to say that you're okay because they don't want to go to that next step. <laughs> That's very true. And, you know, thankfully I have a lot of really good friends that, you know, it, again, with my phone exploding, it, a lot of those conversations were, you know, I'm not even going to ask you if you're okay because clearly you're not, you know, what can I do? What's going on? Do you want to talk? Do you want, you're right. And, if you can surround yourself with those people, you're a really lucky person. 100%. Um, but then, you know, for the people who are listening, you know, don't ask somebody if they're, you know, how are you doing unless you really want to know. That's, uh, that's, <laughs> you know, a, that's right? a really great point because, again, I think do think we get it thrown around. Well, how are you? And I've seen, I've been in conversations with somebody asked me, and again, whatever's bubbling up to the surface, it's like, oh, well, this is going on, this is going on. And they're like, oh, can, you can slowly see like the, the creep yeah, back. And right. it's like, I, it's I just, not what I wanted. Right. It's not <laughs> stop, the conversation stop, that right. I wanted to have. And, right. that, and that's fair. Right. So to your point, if you're going to ask, 
ask because you care and you really want to know. Right. Otherwise, I mean, you can, and sometimes you might be able to skip the semantics of, hey, how are you doing? Yeah. Um, Not great, but I'll be all right. Yeah. Right. You, and this is tough. It's going to be easier for you, but it's tough for me to bring up, like, because right. you brought up your brother. And again, yeah. I, like, I'm, I'm the oldest of three. I got two right. younger brothers and like watching from afar, what mm -hmm. you've publicly put out there and what you like, kind of your journey, like it's put me in shoes that I don't think anybody ever really wants to be in or can even imagine themselves in. But like, I want to unpack it with you a little bit as much as you're willing okay. to share. However, like, yeah. Yeah. Talk to Can you share? Yeah. Um, so Christmas of, I guess that would be 2019, uh, rocks, the kids and I were down, uh, at my family's house on Sanibel Island in Florida. And, uh, I think it was Christmas night that, that, that whole became a blur, but I think it was Christmas night. Um, they get a phone call from one of David's friends. He was supposed to meet up, um, uh, to go to dinner with them on Christmas Eve and didn't show up and uh, nobody can find him. Nobody can get a hold of him. Cell phones off. And so from Florida, we're trying to find my brother. Uh, a neighbor finally got him awake in the house. He was in the house. And uh, in the meantime, that's when my parents decided to tell me that um, they felt like he had a drinking problem, drinking and drug problem. Uh, and I had no clue. Now, uh, to kind of put it in context, my brother and I were six years apart. Mm -hmm. So we were never really close. We loved each other. We we're brothers, but we were never really tight. Um, you know, I, I'm going off to college. He's in middle school. Right? Uh, but we were both in our 40s at the time. Uh, but we would two or three times talk to each other a year, you know, birthdays, the holidays, we'd see each other. Mm -hmm. uh, but it wasn't like we talked to each other once a week or once a week. Um, the neighbor who found him, he finally opened up the door, immediately told my parents, somebody has to get up here. And my parents left the very next day to go up. We flew back up here uh, and basically long story short you know instead of putting a gun in his mouth he put every single bottle that he could find in his mouth um he was massively yellow from jaundice every you know liver failure everything was failing uh he had lost a ridiculous amount of weight um per my father's description the house was just covered in bottles and puke and every i mean he went on a bender to end all benders. It wasn't this long, slow death of alcoholism. And he passed away on January 9th. Um, so we were, thankfully, at least some closure. I was able to get up to New York and we were in the hospital when, when that all happened. Uh, and the biggest thing, you know, besides just the simple fact that my, my brother had died, I'm having a really hard time uh, with the guilt of not being there for him. 
uh, not knowing, uh, you know, I'm the older brother, you know, you're supposed to take care of your little brother. Uh, and then I also have a psych and counseling background and, you know, I'm egotistical to think and Roxanne tries to talk me out of it and I don't know if she ever will, but I've got enough hubris to think that I, I could have helped. And I've, if I knew he had a problem, I'd have grabbed him. And, and then you have the whole guilt of not knowing he had a problem because we were never talking to each other. And so that was hard. And it's just the two of us, you know, so now I'm, you know, I'm the only sibling that's there. So that really threw me for a loop. Um, and what I was kind of dealing with, Roxanne had dealt with years prior when her, her mother passed away. And I could be there to support her. I could be there to hug her when she was sad. But, you know, I didn't really know, you know, somebody that close, right? And then now... I understood the sledgehammer that hits you. Um, and now I could go back and think of, you know, what rocks went through when her mother passed away. So that, you know, and, and there are days when I don't really think about it, but then there are days that something triggers it. And I'm like, Oh my God, I should have been there for him. I, I wish I would have known. Then there's, you know, there's anger issues that I have towards my, my parents, you know, and, and them not telling me and, uh, but again, they're, they're of the generation of he'll be okay. He'll be all right. Um, I was glad that I was able to get up to New York and at least see him. He was incoherent the whole time. He wasn't conscious, but I was there uh, to see him. Um, and I did get to speak to him one last time on the phone the night that he was in the house. So that helped. Uh, I don't know if he was coherent enough to remember it, but we did have a conversation. But that it, it's a, it's a struggle, you know, and I'm still dealing with it. Ted Lasso, the, the watching Ted Lasso, that it if you've watched it, mm -hmm. the second second season hit me hard, <laughs> and I just went through round two again, and it hit me just as hard those last couple of episodes because uh, I get it, you know, I, I I get why he was having panic attacks, and I get why he was that upset and angry and things like that. Cause I'm, that's all the stuff that I'm processing right now. And it's rough. It was rough then also with, you know, two bad years and COVID and good God, it just made it worse. Mm -hmm. You know, it, anybody struggling with anything through COVID, it, I mean, it had to have made it 10 times worse. Um, but yeah, that's, that's when I realized this is affecting me more than I think. And I need to, I need to go talk to somebody about it. I think I just took a collective a deep breath with whoever's <laughs> going to be listening in the, right. in the future. And again, I, I like, I give gratitude. I give that, like, thank you for sharing that. And mm -hmm. because the, like those moments, right. Those are like, those are the human moments. Those are the things that, each many of us go through in some way, like you mentioned, like with rocks, right? Like she went through a moment losing her mom and you didn't necessarily right. know how to like what that was like. Right. And now you do. Right. And I, I have a similar moment, right? Like it's been 20 years since my mom passed away. She was right. 41 at the time. Right. Like, so that feeling 
it's it's unique to each person but it like <laughs> like it's like it's brand like it's branded like it like it's one of those that it just sits with you and unless you're able to talk to somebody and unless you're able to kind of start working through it it's just something that sits there and it and, I, and I'm speaking from experience right it can fester and it can build and it can just yeah. and if I'm being fully honest right like it was 19 years worth of that for me Right. And then you add, like you said, COVID, it compounds everything and all this yep. other stuff that we don't know how it shapes our lives and this, you know, where yep. we've come from. And if we don't talk about it, like, okay, even just listen to you, like it brings up stuff for me and I feel it like energies, you know, whatever, but like I, <laughs> I feel it and it'll continue to affect me. Right. And it'll continue. Yeah. It'll and, always and that's affect. what, you know, and that's what Roxanne kept telling to me. She's like, you need to understand this is never going to go away. It's going to lessen, but it'll lessen on the, on the day to day, but then you're going to get triggered. Mm -hmm. Like she pointed out something specific to this season that she goes, you know, that triggered you. Right. And then, and clearly I didn't, uh, she goes, no, that, that conversation that you had, absolutely triggered you and probably sent you on a downward spiral. And we probably should have gotten you into therapy then when you were triggered, but you know, it, it's never going to go away. Her mom passed away. I, I can't, I don't even remember several years ago, but it's, you know, how can it, it's your mom, right? It's the, it's the person who raised you. Mm -hmm. It's, and no matter how much I say that I wasn't tight with my brother, he's still my brother. Right. You know, and, and then it's just anybody who has experienced a sudden death. I, I think if you can, and not that it makes it any better, but I think if you know it's happening, like we, I always talk about with when we're coaching, and I don't know if you went through it when you were coaching, but we're coaching an age group that typically is going to experience a death for the first time in their lives because a grandparent passes away, right? that's kind of expected because it's a grandparent and mm -hmm. they could be in their eighties or, or sick or whatever. When it's sudden, when you don't know that somebody that you love has an issue and you feel like you could have helped. And then the ultimate result was that they killed themselves. That is something I've got to figure out how to, to get past and, you know, I, and I'm still working on that greatly because again, I'm egotistical and have enough hubris to think that I could have done something to help out. And that's what my biggest struggle is right now is that guilt, uh, the guilt of not being there. And I just, you know, besides seeing another therapist, <laughs> I I got to figure out how to get past that or else it's, you know, it's going to be with me for the rest of my life. Yeah. And I go back to my high five to the mirror, right? Like we're all works in progress. We're all like right. ev yeah. everybody. Is, so it may not be fixed today, tomorrow. It may not be fixed, you know, ever, but you're going right. to continue it. We're, we're each figuring out how to deal with this stuff. I mean, like I've had recently, I've had like, pictures like images pop into my head of my mom right and again it's been 20 mm -hmm. years right so like how old were you i was 21 at the time 
you were 20. Yeah. So like I had caught like, and hers was a little bit more sudden. It was, so it was a uh, septic shock. And so mm-hmm. alcoholism and all that stuff runs in my family. Um, and essentially her body just kind of shut down. And like, I, right. again, you mentioned like, you know, going up there and having closure. Like I remember like one of my last moments and my last memory, good memories of my mom was like, I made her her last meal. Like it was, she was right. in bed in the bedroom. I made her a peanut butter jelly sandwich and it was grape jelly. I distinctly remember that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, later that day, my dad picked her up because she was having a hard time walking down the hallway and all that stuff. And uh, he took her, you know, took her to the hospital. And like, I, you just have, uh, like, I had this feeling, right? Like I'm like this gutted feeling again, I think it was, she went in, she was in for 24 hours. And then later the next afternoon, like probably about 36 hours, they're like, look, there's really nothing we can do, right? The body's taught like toxins, yep. liver, sh- all of the stuff is shutting down. Yep. And, you know, at, and as I mentioned, I've got two younger brothers. So like I go into the mode that I was always in, it's protect mode and take care of everything yep. mode. So I'm take like, okay, I'm like, hey, I mean, for the most part, you know, I help plan like, I was kind of point person for the funeral at 21, right? Like, because right, right. my dad, you know, he's 41, 40, if he was 42 at the time, like dealing with that, right? My grandparents deal, like all of that stuff. So like- How old were your brothers? Uh, Johnny would have been, if I was 21, Johnny would have been 19. He had just, 18 or 19, he just finished his freshman year of college at the University of Toledo mm-hmm. with us. And then Bobby was going to be a senior in high school. Oh, so, wow. and again, there's whole other tangents that, we can go down, but like, so here I am, hold it together, do all this stuff. And the funny thing is, it's not funny, but like, that's how I've operated essentially my whole life. I've been the protector. I've been the, Hey, come take, I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to take care of this much to the dismay of others. Right? Like I don't, I will put others first as Mm -hmm. opposed to focus on myself. And it hasn't been until I start talking to somebody to understand like, Holy shit. Like, and this is again, childhood. It's, it's been all of it. Right. But like, that's how I operate. And it's, it's a conditioned right. behavior. And I'm, I'm continuing to figure out how to focus on me and take the time from and do these different things. And it's, dude, it's hard. Well, and then if you think about it, for, let's forget if you even had that history. Yeah. Just as a coach, right. As a coach, your job is to take care of, other people mm-hmm. and to put you unless you're an egotistical coach and they're typically not successful. Right. But it, it's about taking care of all these other people. And then when you realize you have something wrong, it's like, Oh God, mm-hmm. what, where do I go? What do I do? And that, you know, thankfully if you have a network of really good friends, it really helps. Yeah. And, and that's what I've been the most fortunate in my life is <clears throat> I, I have, my wife and I are like diametrically opposite on the Myers Briggs. It's right. I am an ESTP and I'm like zero ten E, right? And she's zero ten I, and she's very close knit. I have these four people, right? Me, I'm like all of these five hundred people. The world my is my friend, friend. <laughs> right? It's yeah. they're my friends, and in different layers, right? But it. I'm very fortunate in the fact that when I was going through all of that, the team was phenomenal, you know, and thankfully that was great. The people that I'm close to were always fantastic. Like they always are, but I was really lucky to have 
a huge network of people <clears throat> to to cry on or to ask questions to. And if you're not somebody like that and you're struggling with something, you know, oh, for the love of God, go see somebody. Yeah. Because that it, it's going to help. And, you know, it, again, I have a huge network of people that I consider to be really good friends. I'm still going to see somebody because my friends aren't going to be able to give me what yeah. that therapist is going to be able to give me. Well, that's it. And again, I mean, I, I, I feel as though, like I joke about it, like I'm a serial dot connector, right? Like I can I connect the dots yeah. with so many people and all that, but like, and I've considered myself, I've got a lot of friends out there. But the, what you said was that you can lean into him, you can cry and you can do that stuff. And in my, like for my experience, I never really did that. I was right. the, I'm okay. I, right. I like, it's okay. I continue. Hey, how can my, defl my main deflection is, well, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Hey, how can I help you? Right. Right. Like, so, off of you. 100%. Right. so again, you can have the biggest circle of people, but if you're not willing to actually share and do like that's well, vulnerability and genuine and being genuine, 100%, you know, and I've been genuine my entire life and I'll never, that that's one thing I'll never change about myself is it, I'm very much what you see is what you get. And again, I could be a dick. I know it, but I can also be, there's a, somebody sent me, if you do Enneagrams, I'm an Enneagram eight. Mm -hmm. And somebody had sent me, it was a meme of somebody filling their cup with two sodas, right? And one is the biggest asshole you'll ever know. And then the other one was, we'll do anything for you. <laughs> it's just like, and filling the same cup. And I'm like, yeah. Okay, got it. <laughs> that's me. That, that's a depiction of me. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a two, so I'm, I'm the helper. Okay. So, Yeah. I, it, I don't even know what eight is called, but one of my former players, Jackie Spurgeon is an eight also. And the second we found out that we're, we were each other's that we were the same type that we just constantly send each other pictures of. I think I saw that on your Instagram. She, yeah, said to was, to she eight, showed yeah. me a couple of Instagram feeds that I'm like, this is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is me, but it's like, I, I know nothing else, but to be genuine. And because of that, the people who are my friends know that. Mm -hmm. and I will do anything for you. I absolutely will do anything for you. I will pack up and go and help out. But I'll also tell you if you're doing something really fucking stupid and right. And I'll, uh, and I'll call you out on it. And it's just when you can have those open, honest and genuine relationships with a lot of people, it does help when you're struggling. Yeah with things. And, and we've talked about it, this whole thing, it's vulnerability, you know, to be vulnerable is hard. It's uh, not, it, it's not comforting at all. Mm -mm. However, it could be the best thing ever. That 100%. <sighs> I, it I don't know if I've got anything else to say beyond that. Right. Like, I mean, I, well, and I guess, as I say, and I see you're almost done with your beer too, right? Like that, I, that, I, but I got a whole <laughs> six tech keys. I know you do. <laughs> no, but that like, that sums it up, right? Like it's, it's a constant evolution and it's and everybody sitting, trying to figure out how to be comfortable in their own skin and also deciding how much of, what's going on that they want to share. And again, like right. you're fortunate that you're like, Hey, here, this is me. Right. Right. And 
I have aspects of that, but again, there's obviously people that are very just guarded and reserved and they're like, right. nope, this is. Well, and there's, and I think there's levels of vulnerability. Sure. Like, it, and there's genuine vulnerability. Like I think, I think people who struggle with it the most either want to be really, really reserved and they'll let you know this little tiny thing and they think they're being vulnerable or there's the false vulnerability where it just, I'm just going to say anything. And it's just, but you're not being genuine about it. And I, it's a really difficult thing. I know for a fact, it is why I have the relationships that I have, whether they're with my friends from home or my friends from college or former players or coaches, or it's because I let them in, you know, and I don't tell everybody everything. No. I don't. But I let you in and see how you're going to respond. And my thing is, is like, if you're an, if you're a superficial person, I, I don't really have any superficial friends, right? If you're not willing to be vulnerable, if you're not willing to be genuine, I don't really spend a lot of time with those kinds of people. But the people who are willing to be genuine and open are my best friends. And we have the best conversations ever, like this one right here, right? Yeah. And it's also the easiest conversations because we can just fire up this thing and yeah. talk for however long we're going on over an hour right now. Yeah. You know, it's, and I enjoy that. It's probably why I have a degree in psych and a degree in counseling because I enjoy the conversations. Um, you've seen me at convention. Yep. I enjoy just being around everybody and talking. Yeah. For, forget the other stuff going on. It's it right, for right. me. And I joke about it. Like I, I, I heard you chuckle, like I'm a serial dot connector, right? Like for me, like I thrive on connection and the energy of yeah, others. No, and that's huge. And that's, that's exactly like, and that the, coming back around to COVID, right? Like that's one of the things that's drastically been missing, you know? And again, as I sit in the basement here in Portland and we find out that like, I'm not going to be at convention this year because, you know, our company's not going like, that's right. like, that's my Christmas as much as it stinks right. being away from family. I mean, like, that's where I get my recharge. And yeah, right. So yeah, cause we're both ease, right. And we, that's where we recharge our battery. Uh -huh. And I think what was funny and I, and I called my college buddies out on it. Like during COVID we were doing these happy hours, like zoom happy hours once a week. And then we stopped. Like, right. And it's like, okay, well, first off, we should have been doing it before COVID. Now. Right. Right. And why did it take COVID? But okay, it took COVID for us to realize this. Let's do it. And then we stopped because we started going back to work and we started being normal. And that's what I called my buddies out. I'm like, how come we're not doing these? Anymore? Like, just because we're going back to work, none right. of us live in the same state, right? We're not going to see each other. Let's get back to doing it. And so we can talk, you know, once a week and see each other again. And it, it's just funny how quickly people got back to the normal, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. But <laughs> we have this technology that we can, which again existed before COVID, and we're just too stupid to have <laughs> use it. <back laughs> then, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, but we, once a week, I had two different happy hours going on. I had my college buddies and I had my, my buddies from Long Island, you know, and it's, and all of a sudden we just stopped. Well, I think now you've got a little time to pick those back up. I got plenty of time now. Yeah, I got all kinds of free time. I got brewing time. I've got so for anybody that's listening, Matt's looking to pick up some happy hours. And yeah, that's true. 
So what's, what's next? Great question. Um, you know, before, before I officially resigned, I had started applying to jobs outside of coaching, um, but still in athletics. So like athletic academic advising or uh, student leadership or life skills and things like that. And, but then after I resigned and then after my whopping five minute meeting <laughs> with my AD, I went, you know what? I, I'm not done with this. I don't, I, I'm not done. And I know it'll be tough because I'm 51 and I'm male and it's going to be hard, but I don't know if I'm done. Um, I just will be very picky at where I go and what's the department culture like. Sure. Cause that's big. You know, it's, I don't think enough places focus on their department culture and, uh, you know, it, they focus more on the people who see the department rather than the people who are in the department. Hmm. Um, and, and again, I'm not denying the fact that college athletics is a multi-million dollar business. Right. I get it, but it, it, you can focus on the people. It, it, I'm sure you've seen it. It's Simon Sinek's golden circle. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. People don't care about what you do. They care why you do it. And finding a place that cares more about, the why we do it than the what we do is going to be a focus for me. But um, I'm really excited to go down to that nano brewery and brew on Thursday. Nice. Because I'm sure that I'll take a bunch of notes there too. And uh, Garrett, the brewer, is kind enough to open his doors to me. And that that has been kind of a dream. I just wasn't ready for it and don't have the business plan for it yet. But anybody listening who wants to invest, just give me a call and let me know. Oh, yeah. Um, but that's always been a passion of mine, clearly, because I'm doing it in the garage and I'm trying to expand it. And I feel like I'm pretty good at it. But people don't complain, you know, that come over and drink the free beer that I have. And um, But I also, again, we talk about being ease, right? Just to be in a place where people are yeah. and, you know, being behind the bar and serving those people would be awesome. You want to create your, your cheers moment. Exactly. Right. But I don't think I'm done coaching. I don't, I, you know, at, at the right place. And I, and I don't care head coach, assistant coach, I, that never bugs me. I never, I think you know me long enough yeah. to know that I never needed. It's to not be an a ego coach. thing. It's no, I, I, I could have stayed at Virginia if the app state position back then in 2007, wasn't just a great spot. You know, I wouldn't, I would have stayed at Virginia yeah. and, and stayed there with Melissa and work and work there. But, um, you know, for me, it's just, I really enjoy coaching and I love the relationships with the players. That's, that's the one thing. If I ever do get out, that'll, that'll be the one thing I think would, that I'll miss the most. You're preaching to me, and, man. <laughs> yeah. I was about to say, you probably know that. That but. is, that is uh, the absolute thing that I miss the most. So I, I totally yeah. get that. Um, yeah. Well, cause yeah, I mean, uh, Nick and Christian, I mean, they're both gone, like all that stuff. Like, so, yeah, I, you know, Kirsten's 24 and is up in Charlottesville as a horticulturalist and Nick's a junior at NC state. So he's almost done with his college career. Nice. Well, whoever's listening, if, if you're looking for a head or an assistant, uh, we're going to, we're going to get at the end, we're going to give you Matt's all of Matt's, uh, how you can connect with them. So don't hesitate to blow My resume will be posted. Right. But, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll get his LinkedIn. We'll throw it all in the show notes, but, uh, I mean, just ignore the last two years. That'll be fine. <laughs> no, actually pay attention to the two years because that's exactly what's brought you to this place in time, man. Yeah, this is true. I mean, it's, and that's, I think that's why, I, why I've started this. It's to, 
to not overlook the the shit that we go through, right? Because again, everybody well, I think it's goes, a great when you first talked to me about it and you told me the the basic premise behind it. I think it's a phenomenal idea because I think there are a lot of people looking for stories like this. You and I talked about that, yeah. and or there are a lot of people who don't know they're looking for stories like this and listen just because they they think it might be interesting yeah. and go, oh crap. You know, or I like what that person said. I mean, this is a great, great opportunity for for doing that. I, I appreciate you taking the time and coming on here. And again, I mean, that's we're gonna we're gonna take a journey. We're gonna check, you know, work with a lot of different people, and hopefully get to share some really cool stories along the way. Um, yep. I will be subscribing. I love it. Uh, we're, and the goal <laughs> is to probably have this kicked out, you know, probably mid December, right? So going into convention and everything, we'll make right. sure we try to get that out. Um, I think I feel like we're at a pretty good place to kind of okay. call it. But I, one question, and I've only recorded one other interview, but it's a question that I asked. I interviewed Dusty mm -hmm. Watton. Um, and I love this question because it lends, like it's a window to the soul. And okay. answer it how you want. <laughs> but who is Matt Ginepro? Oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Okay, got it. Yeah, no. Yeah, if, again, you know me well enough that that's not the answer. Yeah, um, that's a great question. Who knows? Because uh, I hate, I hate people who identify themselves by job or look at it. You know, it, I'm a beer making video game geek crossword puzzle person still trying to figure himself out at 51 years old uh you know i i say that i'm a new yorker but i've been in the southeast since 1988 so i think i have new york tendencies but i've lived in virginia north carolina most of my life now and i like that significantly more than i do like new york although i do miss the city you know um i will literally do anything for you if i love you and you know i and you said it too i'll fight tooth and nail to protect you or care for you or get you know help you succeed if you're somebody that i care about um and then the father of two awesome kids that are not kids they're adults and so proud of the paths that they took because they became independent kids, you know, instead of us pushing them towards something, you know, I've got a horticulturalist and a natural resource major and coming from a corporate world from my father, you know, my, my father wonders what went wrong when he had a one son that was a coach and one son that was a chef <laughs> and then two grandkids that are working on a farm are going to work in the woods. So yeah, no, I hate describing myself. <laughs> I really do, I, but that's probably the best way I can put it. I that's think, a great question, by the way. I think you did it well. Thank you. And like to your point, and the reason I love to ask that question is the one reason, the one thing you said about how you, you how you don't like when people like when others describe themselves as this or this, right? Like again, and right. it's a window to the soul, right? Like I right. I choose not to say like. Oh, well, I work for Adidas and da, da, da. I'm up like that. Like I'm dude, not my job. No, no, I'm a husband and a father first, right? I'm a right. seeker of mindful moments. I'm a serial dot connector. Like 
if we can answer that question comfortably and be able to talk about it, it's a window to who we are. And yeah. so, well, and, and another reason is I don't think enough people put enough thought into the answer. No, you know, clearly I struggled with it. <laughs> so, but I, I don't, I don't think people could come up with an answer. They'll, they'll say, I don't know, or, um, or they'll say that I'm a volleyball coach or I'm an accountant or I'm this or I'm that. And you know, that's just a job. It's not who you are. Doesn't define us. No. <sighs> well, last thing I, I really want to do, and I said it a couple times in here, Matt, and like, I really uh, look you square in the eyes as much as I can, but like, <laughs> I, I'm truly grateful for like you sharing your story and the, the okay. steps that you've taken so far, because again, it's obviously a moment of vulnerability. It's a moment of you being genuine and, you know, when we first started talking about this conversation, it was, you said, if I can help one person, that's what I'm trying to do. And right. I truly believe that your words will help more than one person. And if for nothing else, it, it helped me and helped me understand that even more that we're all constant works in progress and that we need to keep working on it and surround ourselves with more people like you. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. And I appreciate you giving me the opportunity because again, if I can help one person and feel free to add my email address, if, if anybody listening does want to shoot me yeah, a message yeah. about something that they may be struggling with, I'm more than happy to connect. And, um, if I can help one person. Yeah. And that's a, that's a good, I mean, that's a great segue to kind of finish us out, but like, where's the best way for people to connect to you? And I, we can, we can do, if you want to reach out to myself or Matt, we can get you his email, but like social media, like what's the, what's the best place to kind of catch up with you? Um, e well, email, okay. uh, cause I'm still old and I actually use email, but, um, I've got, uh, and I'll probably change the handle of it, but uh, I think my Instagram is Jennifer MJ, I think. Mm -hmm. I think so. My phone, my phone fell on the floor. On that, you can follow Rotation Six Brewing also, and because I have that Instagram yes. too. Uh, I'm on Twitter at uh, vb underscore coach Jennifer. Um, those are all the easiest ways to get a hold of me, and um, I am. I, I literally am willing to have the conversation. I love conversation, <laughs> um, especially if I can help somebody out. Uh, so anybody who wants to connect with me, feel free. I dig it. Well, Matt, we want to thank you for your time. Uh, obviously, you know, we'll, we'll stay connected and we'll figure this out, but uh, absolutely, I appreciate you, man. Thank you, Steve. I can't thank Matt enough for his vulnerability, willingness to share, and most importantly, his real conversation. I hope that each and every one of you took at least one thing from this episode. For me, some of the quick takeaways revolve around happiness figuring out what that looks like for me and realizing that sometimes we just need to take the step into the unknown, regardless of how daunting it may feel or how long we labor over it. What were your takeaways? What were you left with? Let me know over on my Instagram at Steve Venzel, S-T-E-V-E-V-E-N-C-L on the post for this episode. Additionally, please share this with someone who may benefit from hearing these words. That's what it's about sharing people's stories, and understanding how to keep moving forward. Thanks for listening. Please like, subscribe, and comment. And until next time, keep moving forward, even if it is just one small step at a time.